What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. This is as good a time as any to tell you that parental discretion is advised when listening to After the Snap, I say some real fucked up shit. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. And if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. This is what we do. We just sit. We're going to chill. We're going to get a few things off of our chest. You know what every therapy session is like. We we are going to talk. Some of the topics that we may gloss over today will be the train wreck that was Dark Phoenix. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it like that. But yeah, the train wreck that was Dark Phoenix. Avengers Endgame is not going to catch Avatar. Is that a disappointment? That's our second second thing we may touch on today. We are also going to see how close I am to becoming a Jedi. When we discuss uh, the Star Wars prequel, Revenge of the Sith, we're going to find out what I felt about uh, my first watch of that particular movie and how close I am to becoming one with the Force. You're going to answer a couple of questions that was posed to us by Dr. Doom and Gloom himself, Mr. James from over at Brother Podcast from A to Geeks with a Z. He had a couple questions because he is the resident Sith Lord and he has some questions to see uh, how close I am to either choosing a side, Jedi or Sith, or saying neither, none of the above. Where am I at in that? And we're also going to discuss those Black Mirror episodes and to figure out what we kind of felt about those episodes. So, big show. Lots to discuss. Thanks for joining me once again. And let's start with Dark Phoenix. Boy, what a disappointment, huh? And, and I'm saying that because it was critically panned and the audience that did see it, they kind of panned it as well. A lot of the regular X-Men audience sat this one out because, you know, our X-Men movies. Now, while they had been falling off, this one, this one had the worst opening weekend for an X-Men movie, period. A $33 million opening weekend on a big budget, huge budget film is not a good thing. And then it dropped 83% its second weekend. So the second weekend was just dismal. It is on track to lose the uh, studio at least $100 million. That's a lot of freaking money <laughs> to lose at the box office. Not just at the box office, just on the movie period. This movie was a $100 million failure. Failure for the X-Men's final outing under Fox. I saw the movie and I have to say it wasn't a good movie, 
but it wasn't the worst thing that I think I've ever seen in cinema. In fact, it's far from it. It had pretty decent moments, but there just wasn't enough moments to make it a good movie. And, and that's sad. And I'm saying sad because one thing for certain is at the end of the movie, Jean Grey, her voiceover said, uh, you haven't seen the last of me and you haven't seen the last of the X-Men. And I think that we should take that as not a threat. <laughs> like, oh my God, you, you're threatening us. No, she wasn't threatening us. She was telling us that there's a future for this franchise. And hopefully uh, we start seeing things from the MCU side I'm not going to say sooner rather than later because we want we want this to be as well thought out and planned as every other part, every other phase of the MCU. But I don't know if we want this lingering bad experience for the X-Men franchise. If we just sit and maybe there, there's like a two ways to look at it. In fact, if we sit and dwell on how horribly these last two films, these last two X-Men films were, if we dwell on that, it, it may say, you know what? It can only go up from there. From what we saw with these last two Fox X-Men movies, it can only go up from there. We can look at it that way. Or it could be, you know what? If we have to wait five years, I'm just gonna give up on the X-Men. And I don't see that happening even though I never thought I would see a $33 million X-Men opening because X-Men is the franchise that started it all. We owe uh, the, the success of superhero franchises that came subsequently after that. We owe it to the success of the first X-Men movies. Once it was seen that we can do one and then you can come back and have a sequel and it'll do just as well if not better, that gave studios the chutzpah to go ahead and gamble on these on these superhero characters and look where we are now look where we are now 19 20 years post original x-men and we've got several franchises that owe their success to the original x-men so special place in my heart for the x-men franchise I felt some kind of way watching this movie and saying to myself, there's glimmers of, of good in this movie. Uh, there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong. And this was Simon Kinberg's, this, this was his uh, freshman effort in directing. So that's one thing. You got this, this fresh director with this big budget movie and there were so many things that could have gone wrong and a lot of things did go wrong and here we are what we can say is now unless we actually did now the threat has been this new mutants movie they've been threatening us with this movie for years if that movie actually does make it to theaters and just that's the end that's the icing on the fox x-men cake okay but I, I honestly feel like the uh, New Mutants should probably think about just going straight to Disney Plus and 
just calling it one, just saying, let's just wait until the MCU comes and does what we, what they do with movies. And hopefully they come up with a better formula than we got with the last couple of X-Men movies. All right. So what about you? Did, did you go see Dark Phoenix? What were your thoughts? Was there anything redeemable about the movie? In your opinion, just let me know. Send me an email or hit me up on any of the social medias. Let's move on to the next topic. Next topic is Avengers is not going to catch Avatar. And it it, it started so strong. And then you just started to see the steam run out of the movie. The movie... Is actually still, you know, it's still making money, but it is has slowed down tremendously. Like every week, there's another 50% drop, and I mean, uh, the the number of theaters that it's in has dwindled, dwindled down. It does not particularly stand a chance at catching Avatar. Is that a disappointment? Well, let me think. Let me think. Avatar has been at the uh, number one spot for, I think it's been like 10, 11 years. Titanic had been either number one or number two for two decades. Avengers Endgame caught and and overtook Titanic. It is stopping really, really close to Avatar. In what universe is that a disappointment? It's not a disappointment. This movie has been insanely successful. Insanely successful. It did exactly what the studio wanted it to do, which is culminate 10 years of storytelling. How, how can we be upset with that? You've had 10 years of success. 10 years of these characters and the studios are saying, well, what is a fitting way to end it for these characters? And that was a fitting way. What other way? $2 billion plus dollars, a billion dollars in the first weekend. In, in what universe would that be a disappointment? So no. We aren't disappointed. There's nothing to be disappointed about. The movie was well received. Uh, I've met several people who who didn't like it. And, you know, my explanation to them or my, my thing to them has always been, you didn't like it because that's the difference between you and me and what we like in movies because you might like XYZ and I won't like it. So it, we don't have to agree. But I do believe that anyone who has invested themselves in all 10 years of this franchise, I believe that this was a fitting end for these characters. And whether we agreed with the endings or not, you know, no, none of this sending out petitions to get Iron Man revived, brought back to life, because at the end of the day, they're going to do what they want, it's their character. At some point, We know that all of these characters are going to be done playing these characters. They can't play them forever. 
they they could but that would make a very horrible superhero movie who wants to see a uh, 102 year old robert downey jr pretending to get into this iron man suit i don't think anybody wants to see that and why not let him go out on top i think that was a great idea and i don't understand why we as fans cannot just accept what we're given and either say you know what i liked it or i didn't like it and move on about your life you don't get to rewrite the movie because you didn't like the ending you don't get to do that that's just not that's just not realistic okay all right let's move on to the next topic and the next topic is those black mirror episodes now, for those of you who don't know, I'm and because, you know, we talk about superheroes, but we also talk about sci-fi. And Black Mirror is an anthology series in the vein of kind of a Twilight Zone with the spin that everything uh, covered in Black Mirror is about technology. It's about how technology, futuristic technology also, so it's about how futuristic technology in the wrong hands can be a horrible, horrible thing or a good thing. This season of Black Mirror was very abbreviated. It consisted of three episodes. And upon learning that, I was so, so disappointed. Just like, we couldn't even get five episodes. Black Mirror, y'all, for real, this is what we doing. But... These three episodes, I would say the first two were so thought-provoking and so worthy of discussion. Even the last one, even the third one was worth a discussion. It didn't make me think so much as it it uh, shed light on a subject that is often, often forgotten about subject. And I'll say it like that. Let's give us our, our, our uh, MCU connection in the, and as a matter of fact, not just MCU, we'll say superhero movie connection in the first one, because the first one starred Yaya, uh, I don't never know his whole name, Yaya, he played Black Manta, <laughs> so he was Black Manta in Aquaman, Yaya, y'all know who I'm talking about, and then there was a uh, Blake, give me a second. Let me take a deep breath and then I'll come up with these names. I don't know how I forgot. Anthony Mackie, who plays Falcon in the MCU. Yaya Abdul Mateen II, who played Black Manta in Aquaman. Also, it has a Palm Clementif, who plays, of course, Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's just th those superhero connections were there and I really enjoyed seeing these characters kind of coordinate uh, uh, an effort in this particular episode. It was so crazy. Crazy, crazy episode. Okay, let's just jump right into the story uh, of what this episode, season five, episode one, of 
Black Mirror was about. It is called Striking Vipers. And I'm reading this right off of summary.org because I suck at telling the stories. If you have not realized that as of yet, I suck at telling the stories, but I read pretty well. So I'm going to read this right off of summary.org. We open with our main character, Danny, strolling into a club. It looks as if he's there to mingle and meet women before his friend strolls up and tells him to get out on the dance floor with the woman Danny was talking to. She then mentions that role playing up at the bar was hot, giving away that the two of them know one another already. A few minutes later, we're back in their apartment when we see Danny's buddy from the club. Turns out they all live with each other and that the buddy's name is Carl. This is where the Striking Vipers game is brought in for the first time and where we notice that the two roomies have no self-control as they stay up the entire night playing. Yet this isn't a VR virtual reality game so we know that this is a flashback to before the virtual reality technology is used 11 years later. So just to make something a little more clear than what's here, Danny and Theo and Carl are all college students at this time and they are all roommates. Theo is a, a young lady. So Danny and Theo are a couple. Carl is just their other roommate. Following? Everybody's picking up what I'm putting down? All right, let's move on 11 years later. We see Danny again, yet he looks like a completely different man now. He's standing at a grill, staring aimlessly through his glasses off at the party going on in his backyard. It's his birthday, and he's now married to Theo, the girl from the club. The two of them have a kid together as well, but he doesn't really seem to be a huge part of this episode, the kid that is. Danny looks like this party is draining all the fun out of him before a woman walks over and introduces her boyfriend who is into bikes. Okay, so this was just a random thing to start a conversation. Not to mention, Danny looks like he hates small talk. Uh, either that or he is one of the worst conversationalists of all time. And basically, what I got out of this scene in the movie is, you know, when you are young, you're carefree, you go out, you make friends, you now you're kind of paired up with whoever has kids your age so now this lady whose kid is out playing with Danny and Theo's son brings her boyfriend to meet him and like here you two play with each other because you guys both have a kid the same age and that's pretty much how a lot of us make friends as we get older it's kind of we become friends with the parents of our kids friends those become our friends <laughs> So anyway, so sometimes you don't have anything to talk to these people about because the only thing that you have in common is that you have a child the same age. So that is just the way I looked at this is like the last thing in the world that Danny wanted to be doing is talking to this guy who's into bikes and it's not even motorcycles. It's freaking bikes. Not saying that there's anything wrong with it. If you guys like bikes, I love it. But there's not an awful lot to talk about if I'm not, if I don't like bikes too. You know what I'm saying? Picking up what I'm putting down? Alright, let's move on. Then comes old roommate Carl. 
And finally, we see some life on Danny's face. Carl seems to be doing well for himself, outside of the fact that he broke up with his longtime girlfriend less than a year ago. Uh, Carl gives Danny his birthday gift, and that is a virtual reality game that they used to play. So they used to play the regular game when they were in college, Striking Vipers. But now they have the virtual reality game called Striking Vipers. And Danny, I mean Carl, tested the game at the store and it blew his mind. So this turns into them reminiscing and Danny explaining how he is so ecstatic that he isn't into the dating game anymore. Then Carl shows Danny some pictures of the girl he's grabbing dinner with later and then Theo walks in. Jumping forward, Carl is out at dinner with uh, the young lady that he had the picture of. We, I guess basically with, with Carl, he, he is realizing that he is out here with these girls and he doesn't have an awful lot of, in common with them. He tries to make a joke about Dennis Rodman talking about uh, the bartender having piercings and bleach blonde hair and his date doesn't get the joke. And then she pulls out the phone and Googles Dennis Rodman and then, oh, okay, I get it now. But, you know, now the joke is kind of lost because Carl is expected, you know, to you for you to understand what he's referencing. Of course, Carl is dating much younger women, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. You can't be 45 years old and expect these little 25-year-old girls to know what the fuck you're talking about. It's not fair. It's not fair. In fact, <clears throat> you ought to be ashamed of yourself. That child was young enough to be your daughter. But I digress because I, I digress. So he's even him is he's realizing that the dating game is not all it's cracked up to be. Theo is getting ready for bed. Danny tells her that he's going to play some games on the computer, and it turns out he was playing Tetris. And then he's about to fall asleep when Carl gets online and invites him to play Striking Vipers. He then tells him, brace yourself because you're going to shit your pelvis through your asshole. (laughs) As the two pick their favorite characters, uh, I think Carl is Roxette and Danny is Lance. We quickly see that it's been a while since Danny has played this game, but Carl is just beating his ass with Roxette. By the way, Roxette is Palm Clemente. So now you can just picture virtual reality. You can feel the the punches, not like you're getting your ass knocked the fuck out, but you can feel what's going on with this virtual reality technology. You can also... uh, like just anything, anything that's happening. If it's raining there, you're going to feel the rain on your skin. You get every sensation in this video game. So anyway, Carl beating the shit out of him. And then Danny finally starts getting, you know, he remembers arrow, arrow, square, triangle, triangle. <laughs> and he puts together a little combination. Well, he's still getting his ass kicked. There's just no way that he's going to be Carl. Looks like Carl been playing at for the last 11 years while Danny has been married. But anyway, Carl ends up knocking him down and then this is where the plot just gets all the way thick. Thicker than a snicker. Carl's character, Roxette, 
leans in to kiss Danny's character, Lance. Now, Danny freaks out. Carl says, exit game, and then he disappears. And we can see that it's just very uncomfortable what's going on in it. What, what just went on in this game it was very uncomfortable for Danny. And he shakes it off and goes to bed. Okay. The next time he and Carl speak to one another, they talk about, hey, that was weird. It was because we both had too much to drink at the birthday party a little bit earlier. We can't, we can play the game, but we can't let nothing like that happen again. All right. So they get started to play it. And I mean, without, without any hesitation, as soon as they start playing, they just start making out these two characters. Now, remember the character Roxette is Carl. The character Lance is Danny. So that's a male and a female avatar and they are uh, kissing and they can feel one another but the knowledge that Roxette is not Roxette Roxette is Carl (laughs) is still freaking them out just a little bit. They're wondering what the hell, what are we doing? Okay, and as it turns out they enjoy doing whatever it is they're doing because they keep doing it they keep playing the games carl jokes and says at one point i guess that makes us gay now danny goes on the state i don't feel gay i'm not gay and then he just goes back into the real world so as we moving on they continue to play this game but it's becoming a situation where danny can't perform perform uh (laughs) Danny is not giving his wife the proper attention. She's trying to get pregnant again. So I guess that tells you what kind of attention she's not getting. So she's there. The plan was for her to get pregnant. But he, because he's getting it so often in this video game, he it, when it's time to uh, be with his wife, he just doesn't have the interest because this is new and fresh and exciting in this video game and this wife is somebody he's been with for over 11 years the relationship within the marriage is getting stale now in the meantime in the meantime carl is falling in love i won't say just carl both of them are kind of liking each other in a way that they did not like each other before they were just friends before now when you add this extra layer into their friendship you've got this uh weird weird uh relationship it's it's more more than a friendship at some point danny is like you know what forget it i can't do this anymore you know and carl is like what do you mean this ain't even real you know it's real you know it's real so we can't do this anymore that's it i'm done I'm going to, you know, make things right with my wife. That's it. I'm done. In this being done situation, uh, Danny does get Theo pregnant. So now Theo is big pregnant. They've pushed us forward like months, 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 like seven months. She's big pregnant at this point. (laughs) So and when we fast forward these months, we are landing back on Danny's birthday again. So now it's Danny's birthday again. He and the wife 
uh, planning on just having a quiet dinner at home, no big party, none of that. But she thinks she's doing him a favor by inviting Carl over. So now Carl gets over and they all try to act normal during dinner, even though Theo can feel that there is some kind of tension going on between them. And she's thinking that they're having a best friend argument or something, something of that nature. Uh, as she gets up to go get dessert, Carl starts propositioning Danny like, you know you missed this. And <laughs> he's like, he's tried everything in the online universe. He's even had sex with a flipping polar bear. So he had sex with a polar bear and it didn't compare to being with Danny slash Danny's character Lance. So, you know, uh, he tells Danny, hey, I'm going to be online at midnight, you know, if, if you miss me, you'll you be online too. And at first it looks like Danny, you know, lunch, dinner is over. And it looks like Danny is going to be strong. And he's not going to, uh, he's not going to give in to what is temptation in the form of not just playing this game, but having this affair with his best friend. They think that they love each other. They think they can't stay away from each other because that there there are feelings there. And uh, midnight comes and and he goes and he gets on the flipping uh, striking vipers. We see them, of course. They getting freaky once again. And Carl tells Danny, "I love you." Oh shit. Danny backs up like, but this is not Danny, this is Lance. He backs up like, no, 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 no. Then he tells him, he says, hey, meet me by one of the old bars that we used to kick it at in 30 minutes. So now he says, okay, Carl, so, so Carl says, I'm gonna meet you in 30 minutes over at the such and such place. And Danny is like, all right, meet me there, bro. And they get there and it's raining outside and they standing in this alley face to face and Carl think that they coming out there to throw hands to fight one another but Danny was like no we ain't out here to fight we gonna come out here and kiss and and we gonna see if there's something between me and you and if there's something if you feel something if I feel something we know this thing is real and we can try to do whatever we we can try to do something but you know if not we just gonna stop it and squash it and just go our separate ways so it's like okay so they kiss like kiss and neither one of them feel anything they're like no nothing both of them say nothing but Carl's mind is going back to yeah I don't feel nothing but when I'm playing the game and I'm Roxy, I feel something, <laughs> you know, so shit. He, they, they end up fighting in the alley. Police come and fortunately, neither one of these dummies get their ass shot because that would be a whole different Black Mirror episode. In fact, it would sound something more like a Twilight Zone episode that I saw this year. But no, it would not have been a, a Black Mirror episode if it would have ended with them just getting shot in the alley. That's not... Yeah, that's that wouldn't be a happy ending. And as a matter of fact, Black Mirrors don't necessarily always have happy endings, but this one kind of does because they get arrested for fighting in the alley, 
And now Theo has to come in in the middle of the night, go pick her husband up from downtown for fighting his best friend. And she's asking like, what the hell? Come on now, because I knew I felt some tension during dinner. What the hell? Why are you guys out here fighting in the alley? What the hell is going on? And apparently, Danny told his wife the truth told his wife the truth because the next time we see the family we see a no no longer pregnant uh Theo and then you see Danny and it's once again his birthday so they're out and they're having cookout or whatever for their birthday and that evening we see what appears them exchanging gifts and what has happened here is that they have come to a compromise in their relationship like Theo is woman enough to realize that this is just a game and these are two people who love each other they are best friends so once a year she gives him a pass to play this game with Carl and she gives him the pass on his birthday but also because she's giving him that pass she gets a pass and she goes out and lets random men hit on her at the bar i'm not saying that she's going home with them or nothing like that i never i never saw that happen but uh she got to have some excitement in the marriage for herself and danny did too and if that works for them within their marriage god damn it i'm glad for them but i'm gonna tell you this it wouldn't happen in mine this whole episode would have ended so differently if it was real life and and Theo was Tasha. Things would have ended so horribly. <laughs> it would not have been this type of ending. She is far more evolved than I will ever be. But that does uh, kind of lead in the question. Like you see, technology is advancing to the point where something like this could be possible but it also could be possible right now because there are couples everywhere all over this universe who are in a committed relationship but one or both of them are so interested and so into the online gaming community that you're neglecting the person that's sitting right next to you it's like you have formed relationships with people online to the detriment of your real life relationships and i don't know if anybody else sees this episode that way but that is how i'm seeing it these are people who have formed relationships online to the detriment of their real life relationship and i think that is one of the uh one of the morals i guess to the story if you see any other morals to the story please let me know and i will let uh and i will share it future episodes okay i'm gonna go into the next episode of black mirror and i'll try not to take so long to describe what's going on in it it was called smither rings So in the episode Smithereens, I'm going to read this synopsis straight off of Wikipedia. In the episode, a rideshare driver takes an employee of Smithereen, a large social media company, so think 
Twitter takes him hostage. And unlike most other episodes, Brooker wanted Smithereens to not rely on near future technology as a reminder that uh, Black Mirror is not solely a sci-fi show. It is largely a parable on the overactive usage of social media sites like Twitter and how they distract society from the real world. So in 2018, uh, Chris is a rideshare driver in London for the app Hitcher. Think Uber. Okay, so now he lost his fiance in a car accident with a drunk driver three years earlier and goes to group therapy sessions. At one session, he meets Haley who was dealing with the suicide of her daughter 18 months earlier. The two talk and end up having sex at her place. Uh, Chris discovers that on a daily basis, she attempts to log into her daughter's persona, so think Facebook, uh, her daughter's persona social media account with different passwords before she is locked out for the day as the company has refused to give her access. So she's basically using the three free tries that she gets before it is locked out for 24 hours. Uh, One day, Chris picks up Jaden, who's played by Damson Idris, uh, an employee of the large social media company Smithereen. Jaden is distracted by his phone, allowing Chris to take a detour into the rural countryside where he reveals he is abducting Jaden at gunpoint. Chris angrily orders Jaden into the trunk of a separate car, but Jaden is claustrophobic, so Chris allows him to ride in the back seat with his wrists restrained and a bag over his head. As Chris drives down the road, two police officers uh, see the hooded Jason or Jaden and give pursuit in the chase Chris veers to avoid two teenage cyclists and ends up with the car stalled in a field. As more police surround the field, led by, uh, I don't know what CS stands for because that's a British, I think it's like constable or something like that. We're going to just say constable, constable grace. Chris waves the gun to keep them at bay. The teenagers witnessed the unfolding drama and posted, of course, to smithereens. Chris learns Jaden has only been an intern for a week and has few connections at Smithereen, but he calls up the most senior person he knows there using Chris's phone. Chris demands to speak to the CEO, Billy Bauer, and that's played by Topher Grace. And the man the demand soon reaches Chief Operating Officer Penelope Wu. That's played by Rui Bo Kian in Los Gatos, California, who knows Billy is on a 10-day solitary retreat. So Penelope works with the FBI and British police to learn about Chris and uses his phone to bug the car. The police visit Chris's house while Penelope's team searches social media account and learn about the car accident that took his fiance. The police hear Chris tell Jaden that his gun is fake and the eavesdropping teenagers post this on social media. So now Chris sees this on Smithereen and fires the gun into the sky to prove them wrong. Police snipers are brought in. Penelope realizes they need to bring Billy in and sends employees to his solitary retreat. Billy is annoyed at the interruption but realizes the danger of doing nothing. 
Eventually, Billy is put, put through to Chris and initially tries to follow standard negotiating tactics, but Chris is aware of these. Chris finally states the reason he wants to reach Billy. As Chris felt he himself was at fault for the accident as he had been directed, I'm sorry, he had, he had been distracted while driving to, and uh, he was distracted to check a smithereen message. But this never came out in the police investigation. They all they automatically blamed it on the drunk driver. Uh, Chris wants affirmation that social media was designed to be as addictive as possible. To which Billy agrees. He had used this retreat to mull over leaving the company, unhappy with the direction it has taken. Chris asks Billy for a last favor as he intends to kill himself. And that favor was to get him in touch with Persona's CEO. Soon Haley receives a call with her daughter's Persona password. Uh, Chris goes to release Jaden, but Jaden is now feeling empathetic towards Chris. So he's urging Chris to reconsider taking his own life, knowing from his own uncle's suicide the emotional damage it can cause. The two start to fight over the gun. Uh, the police, thinking that Jaden is in trouble, gives the order to fire. During the credits, Billy, Penelope, and others around the world see a smithereen message pop up. And after reading it and mulling over it, they return to their daily routine. Now, that ended the episode. So one of the things that was crazy about the episode is that we don't know who the police sniper shot. The police sniper could have shot Chris. It could have accidentally shot Jaden. Or could have shot both of them. And we never get the explanation of who was shot. We just know that everybody looked at their phone and went right about life like it was nothing. Because that's how desensitized we are to gun violence that's number one but i've got other notes on uh, this particular episode because i liked it in a lot of ways uh like the tech guru guru billy bauer was sitting up on like a high mountain just above everyone setting himself apart from his creation and his creation is smithereen he has actually uh, access to how people are moving in their day-to-day -day life from sitting up high on this perch. In fact, when he needed Chris's phone number, in fact, he put his computer in God mode and he found his number. Now, that's just one thing, how these social media creators are kind of godlike. In fact, this whole episode, Chris was doing everything that he could to get Billy Bowers' attention. And when he got his attention, when he finally went through all the channels that he needed to go through and finally got Billy's undivided attention, he wanted to confess. It's almost like, almost like Billy was God. Also, what these social media apps have done to society. The social media apps have become almost as important as breathing to us. Now, this story is kind of an extreme, but not improbable 
It's not an improbable way to point this out. It had gotten to where the tech employees in America had taken point over the local police and the FBI in a hostage situation in London. So now tech employees in America were the go-to people, had all the answers when you had the FBI involved and you had local police involved in a situation that's in another country on another continent. <laughs> this is what our society is slowly coming to. You can't sneak up on anyone because someone is recording your every move on social websites. Now, I have been like pulling myself away. I occasionally jump in on Twitter, have a few things to say. I don't even really get on Facebook at all anymore. Once in a blue moon and Instagram has never been my thing. I just don't Instagram. I don't do it because I don't understand. And I've said this before. I don't understand. But just because I'm not on it don't mean that the person that I'm hanging out with is not on it. So even if I'm saying I don't want social media to know every move that I'm making, the person that I'm hanging out with would be like with Latasha Pierce and we're going to, you know, that's that's, that's what we at now. This is society. You can't sneak up on anybody because someone has recorded your every move. A Billy couldn't even have an authentic conversation with Chris initially without someone trying to tell him what to say through technology. We don't know how to communicate. Some people just use the canned responses on their phone. They don't even take the time at times to answer a person, to just give it a little bit of you. Um, people think that they're getting to know a person by texting them all day. I am grown as fuck. Now, I don't know about everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm older. Everybody knows that. Everybody who listens, if you didn't know, now you know. 46 years old. So I am old school. I remember talking on the phone all night, not texting. My fingers never got tired from talking on the phone all night. My shoulder might've got tired from holding that phone up to my ear, but my fingers never got tired. I would like to hear your voice. I would like to know that I've got your attention even though you cannot have my, I cannot have your attention for whatever amount of time on the phone and wouldn't know it. However, I know for certain you can fake it quite a bit texting all night. But anyway, so Chris and Billy couldn't even have a conversation because people were trying to tell Billy what to say and Chris caught on to it. Think. The human component is being replaced by swiping left and right. I could totally relate. <laughs> Not to the point of taking anybody hostage or threatening to kill people or whatever. But I do understand that society is always changing. It's evolving. But we as consumers need to be able to strike a balance. And I appreciated this episode for pointing that out. So what was your thoughts on this episode? Did you think that this episode uh, made a point or do you think it was just beating the dead horse stating the obvious let me know what you think you know how to catch up 
we're gonna go to this next episode which is the last episode of uh black mirror for this season and it was called rachel jack and ashley too and rachel and jack are sisters they're teenagers trying to cope with their mother's death so jack plays her mom's favorite alternative rock songs on a guitar and rachel just is obsessed with ashley oh and she's like an inspirational singer songwriter and she's played by miley cyrus so soon rachel is also obsessed with ashley too and ashley too is like a little ai little smart speaker ai type deal and it's based completely on ashley's uh, personality but that persona is a lie it was concocted by ashley's exploitive uh, auntie her name was Catherine. she controls ashley's life and dispenses medication to keep her lyrics happy Ashley rebels and her manager overdoses her into a coma. Then announces plans to launch a holographic replica called Ashley Eternal and extract songs directly from Ashley's comatose brainwaves. Now, fortunately, Rachel and Jack accidentally unlock a full copy of Ashley's consciousness, consciousness in Ashley 2, kicking off a madcap plot to foil Catherine's plan this episode was kind of a teen comedy uh wasn't quite as dark it was dark anytime your auntie poisons you and leaves you brain dead or not brain dead leaves you in a coma and then extracts songs from your memory bank (laughs) anytime your aunt does that to you you know josh hey if you got some songs in your head I'm going to poison you and then extract them up out of there. That, that, that's not what no auntie ever should want to do that to her niece slash nephew. But that's exactly what Catherine does. She's trying to maintain her lifestyle. Now, Ashley, oh, she wants to sing other types of songs. She wants to do other types of music. But no, no. Her controlling, abusive aunt is saying, no, you're going to do this music. And matter of fact, uh, I'm going to pull this music out of your head and then I'm going to kill you. And that would have been altogether effed up if it wasn't for all the crazy, like kind of hijinks that these two girls, Rachel and Jack, go through with the little AI doll that they have basically jailbroke and made it alive little rendition of Ashley O and Miley Cyrus I tell you uh, sometimes I forget that she was a a Disney actress she's basically playing a version of herself and Britney Spears and Kesha and anybody else who has kind of been pigeonholed and boxed in and told what they're going to do controlled uh, by a manager controlled by your fan base because god forbid you grow up you know i can understand there are artists who start off on that whole little kitty pop type vibe and then they never evolve from that they they just move on into uh the next genre of their lives but they're no longer performing these kitty pop songs but they have moved over into a new genre and it hasn't strayed very far from where they started 
meaning that, oh, now I'm going to be in uh, family comedy or now I'm going to be in romantic comic comedies or something just something where light and fresh and we don't look at them and, and say, oh, my God, what kind of role model is that? This is these are young people who when they're uh, in their formative years, they are being told what personality to project. But at all the time, they're still developing their own personality. So now once it's time to grow up and kind of part ways and you you need to see the progression of thought because kids don't stay kids forever. Kids grow up. So why shouldn't pop stars, Disney, uh, Disney stars, former Disney stars, why shouldn't they grow up? Why are you holding them to a standard that's impossible to uh, uh, impossible to live by? That standard is impossible to live by. Nobody stays a child forever. Or, or if they do, you're still going to look at them out the side of your face. Think of think of Michael Jackson, and I'm not saying that. I'm not giving my opinion either way. What I think happened as far as Neverland is concerned. But what I am saying is that he is a person who was well into adulthood, who still had a very childlike personality and people thought there was something wrong with that. And to be quite honest, I do think there's something wrong with that with having a childlike personality to the point where you uh, have very few friendships with people your own age. That's not, that is not normal. However, however, this is what you expect. This is what you expected of Miley Cyrus and Britney Spears and, and all the rest, Justin Timberlake and all the rest of these kiddie actors who grew up to kind of want to do their own thing. And I'm saying we're supposed to allow them to do their own thing. They are finding themselves. They're growing up. We cannot keep them as much as we want to keep them innocent for our next round of children. We we don't have the right to, to do that. And that is what this episode kind of pointed out to me in a very kind of extreme way. But it pointed out to me and it made me realize that that is not something that's going to go away. That it happened with, uh, let's say, the Partridge family. And then it happened with the, the, the Brady Bunch and all those child actors from my generation. And then now the next generation is going through the exact same thing. It's unfair. Let these babies grow up. Let I know they're not gonna, you know, they're babies to me, but at the end of the day, they're adults. Let them grow up and be adults. All right, hopefully, I get some opinions on that because, uh, because I've talked quite a bit about Black Mirror and I still have to talk about Revenge of the Sith, which was the third prequel of the Star Wars uh, prequel trilogy. The trilogy. You know what I'm trying to say. So, (laughs) Revenge of the Sith. And this is the one that shows uh, Anakin Skywalker make his complete conversion to becoming a Sith Lord. 
and not just a Sith Lord, a the most powerful underneath the the uh, the Emperor. He is like the most powerful Sith Lord there is, and it was a heartbreaking transition to watch. But of course, I knew that it was going to happen because Darth Vader. But <laughs> but what I didn't know is how heartbreaking it would be because so much effort had been put into making him a Jedi warrior and so much effort had been uh, put into his relationship with Padme and just so much was riding on him and it appeared that because he was supposed to be the person to bring balance to the force and by him turning it looked like all hope was lost and uh yeah and it was hard uh, like i said a heartbreaking way to see him uh make the full turn to to the uh dark side and that brings us to this that i've already discussed once because i had forgotten to hit record here we are this brings us to dr doom and gloom's uh, questions that he had posed to me in the following email it has come to this young padawan once again i have two questions <laughs> was anakin's turn to darth vader believable to you or was it too fast well let's be realistic first realistically i knew that we only had three movies to see all three stages or phases of uh, Anakin's development from uh, young baby boy Anakin to uh, the young man who was finding out his power in force to knowing how powerful he was and making the dark turn. In fact, what uh, precipitated his making the dark turn and then we actually saw the turn. Uh, was it too fast? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. And the reason why I'm saying no is would I have liked to have seen five movies and each one of them explore a different time period in Anakin's young life? Of course I would have. But now knowing that that was unrealistic, the directors did what they could with the six, seven hours that were uh, available to them. So each one of those movies pushed the story along a little further and yes we got the the, the turn at the very end of uh, revenge of the sith and if it had to be done dang it they did a great they did it the best way possible in just those three movies uh but of course in regular dr doom and gloom fashion he has told me if it was too fast for me to watch star wars the clone Wars show for a more flushed out foreshadowing which I anticipate doing uh, because Dr. Doom and Gloom was also very kind enough to send me a link but he told me that this link to the Clone Wars would be a I'd be able to watch it for free but I'd have to deal with pop-ups all over the place and I am impatient with those types of things so I'm gonna see if it's something that I can uh, tolerate and if so, I'm going to go ahead and watch the Clone Wars show for that more, uh, that more flushed out story of Anakin, Anakin's 
turn. Uh, number two, between Darth Vader slaughtering younglings and Obi-Wan crying out for his lost brother, which was the more heartbreaking moment for you? The most heartbreaking moment for me was the slaughtering of the children. When he went in there, it was heartbreaking because those kids trusted him. They had no clue what was going to happen. This was somebody who had come to see them probably hundreds of times and nothing as terrible as this had happened ever before. You know, they, uh, boy, that was like the worst. I am so, so glad that these shows are uh, PG and, and did not give too many more details we just know that those children were slaughtered uh now obi-wan crying out for his lost brother you i felt some kind of way but nowhere near nowhere near the type of (gasps) shock like oh my god i know that there weren't any more jedi really but i just didn't think that that's how they kind of uh Boy, I didn't realize that that was how they uh, eliminated Jedi's with the exception of the one. <laughs> but oh my goodness, yeah, that was terrible. 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 Uh, Obi-Wan, I feel like at least he had the, uh, at, at least he was able to see it coming he could see it coming the writing was a little bit on the wall and then he had the uh benefit of knowing the things that Anakin had done about the children you know he knew about that going into his last battle with uh Anakin that oh my goodness it was it was sad either way but those kids oh my goodness just terrible and because this is me going back to reading the the email here because I am a lord of the Sith I lied again I shall ask another question (laughs) okay from the little knowledge that you have right now overall of Star Wars what would you have done with baby Luke and Leia oh my goodness What would I have done with baby Luke and Leia? I would have trained both of them to be Jedi's. I mean, uh, baby Luke was close to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Leia was raised with the, uh, oh my gosh, Organa. I forgot. Shit, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I think they should have both. I think Leia and Luke both should have been trained in the ways of the force from childhood. And then anything that they did beyond that would have been creating another generation, two more generations, basically, of Jedi. I don't know if that is something that was possible or plausible. But uh, by the time they were 19, 20 years old, they would have known just like their father before them they would have known the force they would have either married or whatever had children 
so that you can keep the Jedi line going. And uh, instead of, I really, I'm, I'm so excited to find out what is going to happen next. I'm not going to tell you guys what movie I'm actually really, truly on. But I am going to tell you that, yeah, the, the very next things, uh, the, what I'm excited to see how things turn out. Which means that I am becoming far more steeped in the forest. I'm far more, I'm getting there to where, you know, I've got questions. And uh, the questions that I come up with before I can even ask them when I watch the next movie, they're answered. And I like that. But I'm not going to tell you guys what movie I'm on. Just know that I'm ahead of where we are in the uh, in the podcast. Ugh. So on to the original trilogy, and he says he hopes that I enjoy, and I'm telling you, so far, so good. Uh, the first three movies have been okay, and I know that there are a lot of people who basically hate it, these first movies, and oh my goodness, I found nothing, you know, there, dude, nothing irre- irredeemable about them, nothing that says to me, um, there, that any of them were horrible movies. None of them were Dark Phoenix, you know. <laughs> to bring it full circle to the, in this episode, none of these movies were Dark Phoenix, and I am excited to talk about first Rogue One. <laughs> so I will instead of going on to the original trilogy, I'm gonna do Rogue One next. And then I'm going to go on, boom, to the original trilogy. And after that, I'm going to, I'm going to do solo further down, but I am going to do Rogue One, boom, boom, next episode, boom. Okay. So, um, I was supposed to go see Men in Black International. I heard it was garbage. Didn't go see it. I heard Shaft wasn't that great. Didn't go see it. In fact, I didn't go to the movie this past weekend and I had planned to do so. So I tried, I tried to give shit a chance that Godzilla, I heard, wasn't really good. Um, if you have different, um, different experiences with those movies, please, please, please let me know because I would go see them. I went to go see Dark Phoenix. I will go see them if somebody says, you know what, it's worth your time. But a lot of these movies I'm hearing are not worth my time. And I'm just, I got one day off. I can't waste it. I have to be uh, sure that if I leave the house, it's going to be for a hell of a reason. Because I could just be here meditating for 45 minutes to an hour. But anyway. All of that, all of that is just nothing here nor there. (laughs) Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for yet another episode of After the Snap. Please catch up with me on the social medias, After the Snap on Facebook, at Snap After on Twitter, and After the Scap, After the Scap, After the Snap 2018 on the gram even though I'm never on the gram. Okay, so we got that apart. If you'd like to financially support the show, and I'm going to tell you where your financial support will be going. It will be going for equipment upgrades, 
because right now I got a processor that's moving slower than old people jogging. Little, real talk. So, uh, for equipment upgrades, to pay for the million streaming services that I'm going to need to stay on top of what's happening over the next X amount of months, because we know it's about to get real. It's going to get real, real soon. So to do that, to make my trips to the movies so that I can come back and tell you what I think, this is where the financial support goes. Microphones, check, micro microphone checker, that kind of stuff. So uh, my new headphones, I need some new headphones because I can hear a short in these, but I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping as long as I can hear in one ear, all gravy. So all of these things I need. And if you'd like to assist, you can do that. Boom. By listening to the podcast on Radio Public. Or you can, boom, go to patreon.com slash after the snap and get, get in one of the tiers. The tiers start at one buck per month, go all the way up to 20 bucks per month. And you can just get in where you fit in, help the show out, help me out and unlock some of the perks that you will find over at patreon.com slash after the snap. Boom. You can also tip your podcaster and you can do that by clicking the link that says support this show in the show notes. So many ways, so many ways that you can help out. Choose one, please. And, you know, donate today. Donate today. I would appreciate it. Next week, we know we're going to talk Rogue One. And I don't know what else is really going on. This has been a crazy, crazy little period of time. And and I covered a lot. I guess I should have did my Black Mirror one episode at a time, huh? <laughs> but anyway, we know we're going to discuss Rogue One, all right? Right. So... Since I've got nothing else for you, I appreciate you joining me. Thanks a lot. And I'll catch you on the flip. <laughs>